Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Amen. Now, uh, we want to say Happy Easter to everybody in the room. And I was talking to my daughter, uh, uh, talking to my daughters and uh, Brother David on the way to church this morning, early this morning. And the question was asked about, you know, why, you know, why, why Easter? You know, and why do we, why do we call it Easter? And I've heard different opinions on this of why we call it Easter. I've heard a lot of different preaching and teaching on it. But I believe we call it Easter because in the book of Acts, the Bible says that Herod, I believe it's Acts chapter 11 or Acts chapter 12, in Luke's writing, this was about 68, between 64 and 68 years after the death of, of Jesus Christ. So about 64 to about 68 years after Jesus died, these books were published. And in that book that Luke wrote, the book of Acts was basically a eyewitness account. He says in the book of Acts, he says, Herod had already killed James, the brother of John, and he had Peter in prison. And Herod had decided that he would wait until after Easter to kill Jesus. He says that. He will wait till after Easter to kill Jesus. That's the first time we see the word Easter in the word of God. And the only time we see the word Easter. So if you look that word up, Easter, it means Pascal. Pascal is a reference to, it is, it is a reference to Passover. And it's actually in reference to the animal that was slain. It's in a reference to the actual sacrifice, that word Pascal. And so in that time, 60-something years after the death of Jesus, they were already calling Passover Easter. That's how they knew it. They called it Easter because it was in reference to the slain lamb that had died for our sins. In reference to going all the way back to when Moses told the children of Israel, each man, take a lamb, slay the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and put it on your doorpost. It was a reference to that moment. It was a celebration of the lamb that had died so that the death angel would pass over me. He would pass over me. And now, if you really want to go deep into a history lesson, you can look it up, and the word Pascal is from a root word, which means to hop or to hop over, to pass over. It actually means hop. I don't know how they got a bunny rabbit and some eggs out of that whole deal. I don't know. And I ain't with it. Easter ain't about bunnies. It ain't about chocolate. It ain't about, I'm, I'm glad all the kids get to do all that. That's all fun and games. But we got to remind them this is not what it's about. It ain't about a bunny hopping. It's about my life was required of me. And because there was a lamb that was slain for me. He died for me. 
And when I went down in his name, I applied the blood to my doorpost. And when I should have been dead in my sin, he passed over me. And that is your three and a half minute lesson on Easter. If you have your Bibles, turn with me very quickly to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Romans 6 and verse 1. Amen. When you have it, just shout, I got it. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Should we just keep on sinning so there'd be some more grace? Paul said to the church in Rome, don't do that. Matter of fact, he said, God forbid that. He said, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Why would you live there? God freed you from there. God brought you out of there. Why would you stay there? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So didn't you know that? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if ye be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. And I know you, you may have not seen the shirts today as they were walking into the baptismal, but the shirts today say, buried with Christ, raised to life. And today I like to preach to you about being buried with Christ and being raised to life. Would you lift your voice and would you put your hands together? Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Shout it again in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. Look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor a very simple question. Say, neighbor. Have you been buried? Turn to somebody else and ask them. Say, neighbor, have you been buried? Mm. Over the last few Wednesday nights, I've been teaching a series on baptism. Uh, not just a series on, a series on baptism, but a, uh, a series on biblical baptism. Because uh, what I would like to submit to you today is that what I speak of here today, being buried with Christ and being raised to life, is not a denomination's theory. It's not an organizational standpoint. I am not reading to you from any manual or religious pamphlet today. This is not about what somebody said somewhere down the road. This is not about a book that was written in the 1700s or the 1500s of the 1400s. This is about the Word of God and the Bible. Amen? Amen. This is about being biblical. This is not about being organizational. 
What the Bible says has nothing to do with my organization. Has nothing to do. I don't care what your organization says. What does the Bible say? I don't care what your people say. What does the Bible say? I don't care what your priest or your preacher or anybody else said. What does the Bible say? Because no matter how awesome those people are, if what they say doesn't match up with the scripture, it ain't right. Amen? No matter who you are, where you're from, how nice you are, how charismatic you can be, how good you can sing, how good you can preach, or how good you look. What does the Bible say? That's, what, that's all I care about today. This church is called Truth Chapel because I like to build it on truth. Truth. Just truth. Not my opinion. Not what somebody who I know down the road thinks. Not, not connected to any uh, body or any uh, position or any denomination or any, any organization. What does the Bible say? If you can show me in the Bible, let's do it. If you can show me in the word of God, let's go. But if you can't, I ain't with it. And neither should you. Because the Bible's all I got. That's all I got. I ain't got nothing. I got the word of God. I got the word of God. Now, there's voices in my life that speak to me. There's, there's elders in my life who I respect and lean on. There's people in my life that can tell me something that may not be in the word of God, but I'll listen to them. Because God can speak outside of his word. Yeah, he can. Don't tell me you can't. He told Abraham, kill that boy. I want that boy. That boy's mine. Kill Isaac. That's what God said. That's the word of God. You agree? But on the way down, God stopped him. Said, don't kill that boy. So we got to be able to hear the voice of the Lord then and now. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth. That means God's still talking. Oh yeah. But he will never contradict his word. That's how I know. That's how you know the spirit. In the book of Peter, you'll see when Peter wrote first Peter 1, 2, and 3, you'll see Peter says, try the spirit. That, that didn't mean that didn't mean that you had a, a spiritual tester. You could connect to somebody and test their spirit. No. What he meant was test it up against the word. You only got one word. If it don't fall on the line, if it don't fall on the precept, then it ain't right. I don't care how cute you are. If it don't match up with the Bible, it ain't right. I'll shake your hand, eat steak with you, and play golf with you. But I can't believe if it don't match up with the word. My battle is not with people. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. False teaching. False preaching. And I come to tell you today that Jesus Christ wants you to be buried with him. And that is the Bible. That ain't me. That ain't my organization. That's the word of God. The Bible says that we are buried with him in the likeness of his burial. In the likeness of his death. That when I'm buried with him, that when I go down in the water, it is a likeness. It is a type and a shadow of him going down into that tomb. That's what I'm doing. I'm representing 
an earthly moment connected to a very spiritual, historic event. That when they put Jesus in that tomb, Jesus is seeing the same thing when I put these people down in that water. And I'm buried with him in the likeness of his death. But I'm also living with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. It only takes a few seconds to be baptized. The act of baptism, it maybe take you a few minutes. The act of baptism is a moment. But living in the fullness of life is a lifetime. Somebody shout hallelujah. It only took me one time to go down in the name of Jesus. And when I came out, every sin was washed away. Every ordinance had been wiped out. Everything that was against me had been wiped out. Every trespass I had ever done had been wiped out. And I was old. The old thing will pass away. And now behold, all things have been made new. You are a new creature in Christ. Yeah, you're a new organism. You're a new species. National Geographic is looking for you. You are a new creature. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, behold, all the old things are gone. And now we're walking into the newness, the newness of life, the newness of spirit, the newness of joy. Now I can do things I couldn't do before because I didn't have new life. Because now the things that used to trap me can't trap me anymore because you can't trap a dead man. You can't trap a dead man. I'm dead to sin. Sin had me. But when I went into that tomb, when I came out of it, sin can't have me anymore. Let me just say this to you. You're not supposed to stay in the tomb. Somebody shout, Sunday's coming. They killed him on a Friday and put him in that tomb. But somebody say, Sunday's coming. He tried to kill me, but Sunday's coming. He tried to wipe me out, but Sunday's coming. He tried to take my life, but Sunday's coming. Because when I went down in the name of Jesus, hey, I got up. Just like he got up. You're not supposed to, that's why when I baptize you, I don't hold you down there. If anybody ever baptizes you and holds you down, that's a false teacher. <laughs> Hopefully somebody's around to help you. You go down, but you got to come out. You got to come out. That grave couldn't hold Jesus any longer. That grave couldn't hold him any longer. The stone was rolled away. They, they, they put a stone and put a seal on it. So we're going to keep him here. We're going to make sure he stays here. But that, that the death that he died was not the death of eternity. It was the death of sin, death, hell, and the grave. Hey! Woo! Grave! Where is your power? Death! Where is your sting? He's risen. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12 buried that we are buried with him in baptism where also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead if you're buried with him then you are risen with him the only way to be risen with him is to be buried with him you can't be risen if you ain't been buried you can't resurrect what ain't dead and if you want to be risen you got to be buried and if you want to be buried you got to go down in the water 
Yeah. Got to go down in the water. Why water? Why? Why water? I don't know. Somebody said, I believe the reason that God chose water is because when you baptize, when you come out of the water, you, you, you look like a wet rat and, you, and you're just humble. Maybe so. But maybe Peter had a clue. Do you think that Peter, the apostle who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus? Maybe, maybe Peter knew what he was talking about in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, when he says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Thank you, Jesus. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Hallelujah. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. The long-suffering, God waited till the ark was built. While the ark was a preparing. That the, the mercy and the grace of God waited in the days of Noah for the ark to be prepared. Where in a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Ooh. Yeah, that's what the Bible said. Not me. Now my denomination, now my people's, the Bible. That baptism saves you. Yeah, I'm reminded, just leave it there, 1 Peter 3. But if you go to Mark 16, you'll see where Jesus said, Jesus said, those that believe and are baptized shall be saved, and those that believe not shall be damned. Now you may be thinking, well, this is Easter Sunday, you're supposed to be preaching us a pretty message and not telling nobody about being damned. I wouldn't be a man of God, and I wouldn't sit under a man of God who wouldn't tell you the truth. I had to take this tie off. I had to go get, get a job at 7-Eleven selling Slurpees, doing something else because I'm not fit to stand in the pulpit and not tell you that Jesus said, not his disciples, not his apostles, not anybody. Jesus out of his own mouth said, those that believe and are baptized shall be saved and those that believe not shall be damned. He said the light figure in 1 Peter 3.21, the light figure unto even baptism doth also now save us. Baptism save us. Just like the water saved Noah and his family. The water saves us. This is beautiful because the same water that floated that boat was the same water that killed all the sin. The same water that held Noah and his family up was the same water that crushed all that sin. Let me tell you to you like this. The same water that rolled back so that Moses and the children of Israel could walk across on dry land. That same water that saved them was the same water that came back and killed Pharaoh and all his rascals. Hey, and when I went down in the water, the same water that saved me was the same water that washed away every sin, that took away every... The same water that washed away my sins was the same water that crushed the blow of Satan, that crushed the chains that held me, that crushed. You got to go down in the water. I love, listen, I love what 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 verse 21 says, because after it says that, it says, the light figure whereunto baptism doth now also save us. Watch what it says. It says, and this is in parentheses, this is a thought. 
This is the thought that Peter had inside of his thought. He was thinking and he started thinking. So he put it in parentheses. He said, not the putting away of the filth of flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. You know what baptism is? Baptism is not so much about putting away filth. as Baptism is the response. When you know that Jesus died for your sins. When you know that he loved you so much that he laid down his life for you. The response of the conscious, the response of the soul is, I got to go down in the name of Jesus. Hey. Woo. We are now saved. Baptism doth now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the thought. But inside the thought, Peter was thinking inside of his thinking. And he said, listen, baptism is just the response of the soul. When you hear about Jesus, you say, where's the water? Y'all don't believe me. Go to Acts chapter 8. On a, on a day like today, I don't want to give you no testimonies. Because that's my experience. And sometimes my experience ain't going to be your experience. But let me tell you what happened in the Bible. In the book of Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 27, we know that Philip had been in Samaria preaching and they had all received joy. Many had been healed and they had all been baptized. And then Peter and John came from Jerusalem because Peter and John heard that they had uh, received joy and been baptized, but none of them had received the Holy Ghost. So Peter and John came, laid hands on them, and they all received the gift of the Holy Ghost. After that, Samaria said, Peter and John, won't you stay with us? And they continued to stay there and continued to build the church that Philip started. And Philip was the guy who started the church. And the Lord told Philip, Philip, I want you to go down to the desert. Hold up. I just started this church. Look at all this is going on. I got to go down to the desert? Yeah, because the revival of the desert is going to be greater than the revival of Samaria. Go down to the desert, boy. So he arose and went down to the desert. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasure. Somebody say he was educated. Somebody say he was affluent. Somebody say he was of a different ethnicity. Somebody say he was rich. Look at your neighbor and say, this is for everybody. Hello. He had charge of all of her treasure. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself unto the chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, how can I? How can I understand it? Except some man would, 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 would show me and, and guide me. And he said, would, Philip, would you come up in here and sit with me and, and, and show me? And so the Bible said the place of the in verse 32, the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth in his humiliation. His judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth and the eunuch answered Philip said ah, could you tell me is the prophet talking about himself or is he talking about some other man and in verse 35 Philip opened his mouth and Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture 
and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Because when you hear Jesus preached, the response of the soul is how do I get baptized? You can hear me preach all day long and never move. You can hear me preach my best sermon and my most fancy preaching and you never move. But when you know that Jesus Christ was bruised for your iniquities by his stripes you are healed. When you know that the chastisement of your peace was upon him and when you know that he bled and died for you the response of the soul is what do I do to get in the water? He said, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. Somebody shout, stand still. I know you're about to go eat some dinner, but stand still for a minute. I know you got stuff going on today. You got some eggs to go get, but stand still for a minute. God's going to do something in this house. He said, stand still. And they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. This was a man of great importance. On his way to a great important place. But when Jesus came into his life. He was reading. He was studying. He wanted to know more. He didn't have nobody to show him. And when Philip got in the. When he got in the chariot with him. Philip didn't try to preach him some fancy message. He went to the scripture that he was reading. He went right to the scripture that he was reading. Isaiah 53. He was reading Isaiah chapter 53. And I'm almost finished. He was reading the book of Isaiah chapter 53 and Philip started at the same scripture that he was preaching from. And he said, I'm not, I I don't have any fancy words for you. I'm just going to preach to you, Jesus, from this scripture. And so I believe that Philip's message sounded a little something like this. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For Jesus shall grow up before him. As a tender plant and as a root at a dry ground, Jesus hath no form, no comeliness. And when we see Jesus, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus is despised and rejected of men. Jesus is a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Jesus was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely Jesus hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did have seen him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on Jesus. And with Jesus' stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Jesus was oppressed. Jesus was afflicted. But he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? He was taken from prison. And who shall declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was Jesus stricken. Jesus made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. 
because Jesus had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Jesus. Jesus, he put on Jesus grief that you should prosper. And he put on Jesus your grief so and made his soul an offering. Watch this. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteousness, shall my righteousness servant justify many? Shall my righteous servant, somebody say Jesus, Jesus. justify, somebody say justify, justify. many, many. My righteous servant, Jesus, is going to justify many. For Jesus shall bear my iniquity. For Jesus shall bear. He'll carry my iniquity. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And Jesus shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because Jesus poured out his soul unto death. And Jesus would number with the transgressors. Jesus was numbered with the transgressors. That when he was calling out names, Court, Russ, Brian, Mike, that when he was numbering the transgressors, he put Jesus in there too. He was numbered with me. Jesus was numbered with me. In other words, Jesus stood in with me. And when I was standing in front of my sin, seeing the charge that was too great for me to bear, Jesus was standing beside me. He was numbered with me. And he, Jesus, bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressor. Somebody say intercession. The only way that he could intercede for the transgressor is if he was numbered with the transgressors. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. I'm in Galatians chapter 4 right now, and verse 4. Why? Why did Jesus come made under the law, made of a woman, made under the law? He had to be just like us. You know why? He said to redeem them that were under the law. He had to be made under the law. He had to become a transgressor so that he could intercede for the transgressors. He was made like us so that he could redeem us. He was made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Yeah. When Philip preached this message to the eunuch, he said, there's water. What doth hinder me? What's stopping me today? What's, what's in my way? There's a couple of things here I want to point out. First of all, we know they're in the desert place. Somebody say desert. There ain't no water in the desert. There's no water in the desert. That's why they call it a desert. 
by definition, there's no water. But there was some water in the desert. God knew that this moment was going to happen. And God carved out a spot for this moment. I know that there's trouble in your life. I know you got some, 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 some heartache, some pain, some loss, some failure, some fear. It feels like a desert place right now. But, but listen to the preacher today. Right here in the middle of this desert place in your life, there is a God that is calling. And he's saying, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. He is the oasis in the desert place. So the response of your soul today is, what doth hinder me? What's stopping? Can I turn the question today? Because the eunuch asked Philip, what doth hinder me? Can I turn the question to you today and say, what doth hinder you? What is it? Why? Why? Why would you not take the opportunity and be buried with Christ? So you could live with him. You can't live with him unless you've been buried with him. What is the hold up? What is the obstacle? What is the problem? What doth hinder you to be buried with him today? Philip said this. He said, if you believe with all your heart, you can do it. So there, there we have it. That's the criteria. That's the formula. There we have it. We got it right there. So, I don't care what your mama said, what your daddy said, what happened yesterday. I don't care what happened last night. I don't care what happened last week. I don't care how much sin you've been living in. I don't care how much dirt you've done. I don't care. All, I, I, we, we don't care. And We don't care and he don't care. Absolutely not. This is not a place for perfect people. And you do not have to get perfect to get in this water. Matter of fact, it's impossible to get perfect before you get in this water. You cannot get right until you get in the water. You can't. Philip gave us the criteria. Believe. You believe? Do you believe? Because if you believe today, that removes every obstacle. I don't care what else is going on. If you believe today, and you can say like the Ethiopian said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Philip said, let's go. Oh, but Pastor Javison, I got to make sure that I'm, 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 I'm doing right. I'm, I'm. Why, 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 why would God ask you to get right before you come get right? That ain't the God I serve. The God I serve says, come unto me. He didn't say all ye that are perfect. He said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. He didn't say, take all that off, get it right, put your suit and tie on, look good. You got to look like the pastor up there, make sure your hair is dead. He didn't say that. He said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. He said, come unto me. You know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm going to give you rest. He said, take that off. Take that off. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Watch the next verse. He said, and ye shall find rest. Woo! Yeah. So today, if there's something standing in your way, I'm removing it right now. That's my job. 
I'm removing the obstacle. I don't care what they said. I don't care what she said. I don't care what anybody said. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, how deep in sin you've been. There ain't nobody in this room that can stand and judge you because we all know what it's like to be lost and undone. Every one of us know what it feels like to be on the outside looking in. So every one of us in here, we're pulling for you. We're shouting for you. We're on your side. We're ready. We're excited. Let's go. Let's go. Remain standing with me. You know how we rejoice? We rejoice because we're trying to outdo heaven. Because the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repenteth. All it takes is one. If all it takes is one to throw heaven into a party, then what are we waiting for? You know? If all it, if all it takes is one to get heaven juking and jiving and popping, man, what are we waiting on today? Today's the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, let me tell you what the criteria is today to be baptized. This is the criteria today to come up front, come to this room right here on my right-hand side. If you've never been baptized, I'd like you to come down this right-hand side of this room. We're going to get you set up, get you ready to go. You can come now. If you've never been baptized, here's the criteria to be baptized. And here's the criteria. Do you believe? That's it. That's the only criteria the Bible gave me. That's the only criteria that I can say. Philip did not say to the eunuch, have you been living right? Philip did not say to the eunuch, well, you know, give me, you know, a little bit of your past, where you've been, what you've been doing, you know, where was you at last night at 12 midnight? He didn't say that. He said, do you believe? He said, I believe. He said, stop, stop, stop the chariot. Slow your roll. Stop it. Stop everything. The biscuits and gravy can wait. The fried chicken and collard greens can wait. I want something that's not just going to feed my body. I want something that's going to feed my life. Woo, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. So today, if you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, and you want to be baptized in Jesus' name,